What's going on, people? It's Mario of Woke Up a Rebel, and I'm bringing you another episode of Revelations Podcast. So today's episode is episode number 20, and the title is Music, Your Mind, Body, Water, and Healing Energy. So the purpose of this blog post is to kind of share with you what I've been hearing about, learning about over the years about uh, frequencies, music frequencies, and using music and music in therapy, using it to heal, quote unquote. I did some research a few weeks ago and, you know, I decided to put this together and kind of share my findings with you. Obviously, it's not new information, but it's new information to a lot of you, including to me before I looked into this stuff. And I learned a lot. And the main message that I want to get across is, or I guess the question that I want to ask is, do you think that the music that you listen to affects you? Right. And this is a common question, right? Like, oh, if you listen to certain music um, about violence, it's going to make you violent. A lot of people disagree with that. A lot of people feel like, okay, just because I'm listening to music about people killing each other, it doesn't mean I'm going to go out and do the same to somebody. Right. Not saying that at all. I'm not talking about that. Okay. I'm talking about, do you think it affects you? It affects your mood. It affects your subconscious. It affects things even that you cannot notice, like your, the, the body, the, the water content that you have in your body, right? So I'm going to get into all of these things. But first, I just want to give you a little introduction. Thank you so much for joining me once again. If you have no idea what I do over here at the podcast, basically, this is what it is. Here's the breakdown. I write a newsletter. And if you are subscribed to it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not subscribed to it, you're missing out. So I write a newsletter or a blog entry every Monday, right? I send it out to everybody and it lands in their inboxes every single Monday. Right. And then I also add it to the Woke Up A Rebel website, to the blog page. And that is wokeuparebel.com. If you go to the if you go to the menu at the top, you will see where it says Woke Up A Rebel newsletter. And you can read each week's entry right there. And there's also an option there to subscribe if you hover over the Woke Up A Rebel newsletter menu option. Okay, so please follow us on all our socials at Woke Up A Rebel on Twitter, on Instagram, and TikTok. And when I say us, I mean Jungle Royalty and myself make up Woke Up A Rebel. We are a couple DJs, producers, slash podcasters who are bringing you, you know, cool content, something unique, something about us, something that, you know, is a reflection of us. And, and hopefully we find our tribe one day, honestly. Right, so hopefully you decide to join our family by subscribing and just remember we would never share your information with anybody. Okay, so let's get into it. So the way that the podcast works is that the newsletter entries that I write uh, and drop on the Monday, that topic will be the topic for the podcast the following week. I don't know if that makes sense. So the newsletter that I will send out this coming Monday That'll be the topic for the podcast the following Monday, the following week. It kind of gives you some time to read it, you know, through the week so you can have an idea, follow along, because for the most part, I'll just be reading and elaborating on what I wrote. Cool. So here we go. I'll start off by saying I'm learning about this stuff. I'm simply sharing what I've learned on my own. If there is something you think I've missed, leave your thoughts in the comment section on YouTube when the podcast episode drops later this week. Did music become more about making money at one point? Or was it always like this? I asked this because while doing research on this topic, I realized that music was always a way to get attention from the masses. People will pay to feel good. Am I right? The businessmen who founded the music industry started to realize this. 
Have you given any thought to the influence record labels have on your thoughts and feelings? Right? And some people don't really think about it like that. They don't think that there's companies who are influencing how you feel throughout the day. And it's not just any kind of company. It's a music label, a music corporation, right? That dictates how you feel. And based on how you feel, you listen to certain types of music. And they have all these different kinds of catalogs from different artists. And you go to their songs and... Through what you are doing, innocently listening to music, you are making these corporations money. And depending on how you feel, sometimes you'll have that song on repeat, just constantly making the money from how you're feeling. All right, so let's continue so that way we get a better idea. So discover how to convince consumers to part with their cash and put it in the hands of large labels. Millions, if not billions, have been spent over the years. And by that, I meant like in research, right? Millions and billions have been spent in research. What if your musical preferences are being influenced? And you find yourself drawn to songs that are bad for your body, soul, and mind. What if the different genres' frequencies had an impact on your thoughts and feelings? And I know a lot of people will be like, okay, Mario, like, like, how can some music just be bad for your body, soul, and mind? Well, we'll get into it. And frequencies. And if you don't know what I mean by frequencies, the frequencies in, in music and sound. Have you ever considered how music impacts your daily life? If you enjoy listening to music, have you ever thought about how various songs make you feel? A song has the power to bring back memories of the exact time you first heard it. There are songs that inspire you to dance, sit down and bop your head, songs that inspire you to use drugs and drink alcohol, tunes that can incite violence, etc. I think you understand what I'm saying, right? Right? Yes? No? Yeah. Have you considered the science of why you are drawn to particular music or why it affects you the way it does? And when I say that, I mean, sometimes, like, for example, if you listen to bachata music, especially after a breakup, the worst thing you can do to yourself is listen to bachata. Right? It's so depressing. It's like baby left me or cheated on me or something, you know, or like it's just absolutely miserable music. And not all the time. The other times it's about, you know, just crazy sexual content. Right. But nonetheless, it's uh, it. We cannot deny that bachata music, if you understand the lyrics, it really affects your emotions. It affects your mood sometimes. Even a song that has nothing to do with relationship stuff like Amor de Madre by Aventura, right? The translation to that is A Mother's Love, right? And that song is absolutely sad, you know? And it's one of those songs that'll get you in your feels and it has nothing to do with a heartbreak. It'll have to do with, you know, like, it'll reflect on your relationship with your mothers and stuff. So that's just an example, right? Of how music can really affect your emotions. And that's just at, the, at that level. Imagine music that's constantly telling you to drink lean, constantly telling you to take Molly and Percocets, constantly telling you to do different types of drugs, right? You don't think that that would have an influence on you, but it does. Maybe not in the sense that it makes you want to take it, right? You might never ever take the drugs that you hear in the songs that you listen to. Some of you probably don't drink and then a lot of songs are talking about consuming alcohol, right? But what about it desensitizing you to the fact that there are a lot of people out there that are addicted to these drugs, including the very artists that are rapping or singing about it? Right? It kind of desensitizes us to think that, okay, that's their problem. Or, okay, you know, as long as I'm not involved, it, has, it doesn't affect me. But that's a conversation for another time. But you get what I mean? So music does affect us and it does influence us in a way. Have you considered the possibility that the decision to purchase music or pay for a streaming service is being made intentionally to persuade you to part ways with your money? If you don't believe that music affects you, then you're lying to yourself. Let's look at why it might be. Going back to the early 1900s, when the music industry was just getting started, will help us understand why music is created the way it is. 
As we may already be aware, there was no way to capture music in the era of Beethoven or Mozart. The only way to appreciate music was to attend a live performance by a musician or a play of some sort, right? Where they were playing some live music or had an orchestra or something. When recorded music wasn't a thing, I sometimes wondered what people's thoughts were like. And what I mean by that is, what were people thinking about before there was constantly music playing at all times, you know, in a store, in the elevator or somewhere? Like, there's always music playing everywhere, right? What were people thinking about if they weren't thinking about a song? Because, I mean, I speak for myself, right? That um, my mental soundtrack is always on shuffle. I'll be listening to a Vico C song in my head, and then next thing you know, it jumps to Delaghetto. Then it'll jump to uh, the way that an uh, I'm a piano, South African I'm a piano song sounds like. I don't understand what they're saying, but it's in my head, right? There's always a song constantly in my head. So that's what I kind of mean. Like, what were people thinking about back then? Due to the countless ways we can consume music in the present era, we are unquestionably spoiled. Mobile phones, shopping centers, television, radio, and video games. It doesn't matter how you look at it, music is all around us. Here's something that I read when I was doing research on this topic, right? Here's a quote that I found. Before recording music, there were only a few ways you could listen to music. Theater, like on Broadway, in church, and through sheet music. In fact, the most common way songwriters would make money was by selling sheet music. Sheet music worked like this. Someone would go to the grocery store or retail store and buy the newest song, think ragtime music, and would then go home and someone, probably granny or grandma, would play it on the piano for everyone to hear, right? So that's basically how things worked back then. So if you don't know what a phonogram is, well, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it. Introducing the phonogram. In the late 1800s, Thomas Edison invented the phonogram. He patented a way to record audio onto tin foil cylinders. Eventually, he invented the machine with two needles, one to record and one to play back. Basically, he would speak into the mic and the vibrations were indented onto the cylinder. The first song, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Crazy, right? Recording in those days was always for business purposes like dictation or telephone messages. It wasn't immediately intended to be used for entertainment. Originally, when it came to the various types of cylinders, they could only hold up to two minutes of audio. Not to mention, there was no way to replicate them. The speaker or musician had to re-record each performance over and over. Crazy, right? I would lose my mind. Now, let's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I'm jumping quickly through these topics when we're limited on time. Right, so that was introducing you to the phonograph, right? The way that, you know, recorded sound uh, was invented. And then when that evolved, the birth of the record labels, right? So in theory, the first record label was Edison Records, but really it was just referring to the cylinders and not a collective of musicians or anything like that. The second record label was Columbia Records, the oldest record label that is still in operation today. That's wild, right? Columbia Records is still there. Columbia Records has had who? Like Beyonce, Nas, like a lot of people had Columbia. Even 50 Cent before I think uh, he got shot, 50 Cent was on Columbia Records and then they dropped him because there was just too much drama. Okay, so Victor Talking Machines. Victor was known for higher quality sounding records than Columbia and they both released a collection of opera recordings as some of the first musical recordings to be sold. So the competition was already coming up, creeping up to Columbia Records, right? Which was Victor Records. Victor Talking Machine, sorry. Fast forward to the mid-1900s. By the end of the 60s, CBS was the top record label followed by Warner Brothers, RCA Victor, Capitol Records, Polygram, and MCA were also very popular. And by the 70s, we had new labels like EMI and Curb Records. Over the past 25 years, more and more mergers have left only three major labels, Warner, Universal, and Sony. The list of subsidiary labels is huge. For example, under Universal, you have labels like Island, Def Jam, Verve, 
Interscope, Capitol Records, and other international brands. Subsidiaries of Sony include Columbia, Epic, Provident, The Orchard, and RCA. Right, and the source of this information was the history of record labels, everything you need to know about record labels. I think this is when things start to become messy. Profits are the industry's primary motivator. The music itself doesn't interest them, in all honesty, right? We hear about this all the time. They just consider how much money someone's artistic creations can bring in for them. These businesses exploit people's souls, in my opinion. I use the word soul because I want you to consider the source of your music. They run a company where they make money off of people's expressions. I heard a study from the YouTube content creator Hello Yassin. The evolution of the music industry from the sharing of creative works to the development of recorded sound and how musicians have always been treated unjustly was highly enlightening, to say the least, honestly. Profits and losses in the music business have always been highly erratic. The music industry needs to find a means to captivate listeners and eventually lead to a situation where fans worship musicians. I use the word worship for a reason. Many people perceive their favorite musicians as being more important than God. The definition of worship, the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. The music industry wants this specifically. They want us to support our favorite musicians in order for them to benefit the most. What happens when businesses learn how to influence our thoughts and feelings? How can you tell? And I'm, I'm only asking the question. I'm not saying they haven't already figured that out. How can you tell if your attraction to a particular kind of music is natural? Does it help you feel better to know that you enjoy the song because researchers have attempted to make you enjoy tunes that aren't very good? Or does that make you feel uneasy? Right? Basically, are you okay with liking a song because it was designed for you to like it it doesn't mean it's good it was just scientifically designed for you to like it wild right and you know to each their own some people may not agree that that's a thing and when i say good in relation to good music i mean good for you and your growth into a good person who makes a constructive contribution to the world and society i briefly touched on the history of the music business because i believe it is important for us to understand how the insane sums of money made from music sales came to be and how rapidly it developed into a corrupt marketplace where we, the customers, are being abused. And I say abused because that's exactly what's happening. We're being bombarded with so much music now. And it's not quality music, most of it. Here's an opinion I came across about today's state of hip-hop. Taste? Defer. But there is a surefire test you can use on any music. Does it make you grateful? After listening to it, do you find it easier to say thank you? Do you find it easier to smile and lend a hand to family, friends, and stray cats for a while afterward? This can be beautiful, uplifting music, but it could also be what I call repentance music that makes you feel like you wish to become pure of heart and regret your past failures. But it should always lead to gratitude in the end. If the music makes you grumpy or suspicious, proud or aggressive, depressed or lethargic, then it is bad for you. If it only makes you want to listen to more music, then it is merely entertaining mostly harmless, except for robbing us of our time. But if it makes you grateful to be born in a world where this kind of beauty exists, then it was made for you. Right, so basically what it's saying is, is the music that you're listening to making you wanna do good deeds? Is it making you wanna feel grateful about life, feel gratitude about where you are in your life? Does it make you feel motivated about the next step in your life? If the music is not making you feel like that and it just makes you wanna lazy around all day, I mean, is it really contributing to you in a good way? Think about that one, okay? To each drone. Okay, so here's another quote. If we listen to the real rap music, then we can hear the musicians talking about their sorrows and calling their God for explanation. We can all relate to that. Hip-hop. 
like all the other genres, has been polluted by talentless junkies who show that smoking and drinking is the way of life. But they fail to show why they live like that or why they need to consume substances to get through the day. Musicians like Tupac, Ice-T, Dr. Dre, Biggie, Eminem, even later 50 Cent and Chameleonaire were poets and their songs were inspiring and spiritual too. They tried to teach us to be positive even in the most negative environment. I don't know if I could agree with that entire quote, especially when it comes to 50 Cent, but eh, it is what it is. I find the last statement interesting considering that 50 Cent's music was about up wanting his opponents and even going as far as suggesting putting holes from bullets in his enemies. To those who can decipher what Fiddy was saying in his music, he doesn't really mean you should go and harm people. He's suggesting that you should get rich or die trying. See what I did there? These statements make me realize something that I had not previously given much thought to. Should we only play upbeat music while we listen to music? Music that inspires us to be good? In all honesty, mainstream music includes an insane amount of negative, boastful music because that's what the culture as a whole teaches us. We consider being able to afford Louis Vuitton and other exorbitantly expensive luxuries as a sign of success. Everything is linked. In my humble opinion, the music industry is a significant economic engine for the entire planet. Here's a quote I came across that I think might spark some deep thought, or maybe not, but I thought it was cool. Music can lift us out of depression or move us to tears. It is a remedy, a tonic, orange juice for the ear. But for many of my neurological patients, music is even more. It can provide access, even when no medication can, to movement, to speech, to life. For them, music is not a luxury, but a necessity. And that was a quote by Oliver Sacks. Let's take a look at a study I read about how different genres affect our moods. Okay, so hopefully you're still here with me, people. Let's continue, we're almost done. Let's take a look at a study that I read about how different genres affect our moods. And this is uh, from your brain and music. Music triggers the chemical dopamine to release. Dopamine is a feel-good neurotransmitter that is associated with pleasure and serves as part of our brain's reward system. Mood, motivation, attention, movement, learning, and emotional response are all connected to the release of dopamine, making it extremely important. Along with dopamine, endorphins are released when listening to music. These chemicals act as a natural pain and stress reliever. Along with dopamine, endorphins are released when listening to music. These chemicals act as natural pain and stress relievers, actually having a physical impact on your body. Music also helps to maintain cortisol levels, which are also linked to stress. Speaking of physical impacts, research has shown that music can improve your immune system by stimulating the output of antibodies. This is why methods like music therapy are so successful for patients recovering from surgery. Crazy, right? So let's take a look at how different genres actually, you know, affect us, starting with pop music. Those who are fans of pop music are said to have high self-esteem and an outgoing attitude. This is because pop music is a stimulant that gets your blood pumping and emotions racing. When you listen to pop music, the auditory cortex relays the rhythmic beat to the brain, making you want to sing and dance. Let's see how classical music affects you. If you've ever been a student or studying in something, right, you've probably tried listening to multiple classical tracks to improve your study habits. Although the Mozart effect isn't really responsible for acing that exam, listening to classical music does have its advantages as far as brain chemistry goes. 
Classical music has a calming effect over its listeners and has been known to lower blood pressure, relieve chronic pain, reduce physical symptoms of depression, reduce inflammation, improve healing. Aside from this, classical music has been found to play a role in sleep therapy studies due to its relaxing qualities. Psychologically, classical music lowers stress levels and soothes aggression. In a 2005 study by Mashable.com and the sound brand Bose, the London Underground projected classical music or public platforms. The London Underground projected classical music on public platforms, and they found that physical and verbal abuse between young people in these areas decreased by 33%. So if your favorite song is a piano sonata, you probably value relaxation and enjoy your study time. For me, I can actually relate the feeling of when you listen to classical music to listening to lo-fi hip-hop, you know, to study. That's, I don't know, that's just me. Let's see the effects of heavy metal. A lot of people shy away when it comes to heavy metal or hard rock. That's because so many believe it to be aggressive or evil-minded. But actually, metal music has the same effect on its fans' brains as pop music. Professor Bill Thompson of the Australian University studied the emotional effects of music on its listeners and found that hard rock and heavy metal fans are typically nice people who do not feel compelled to, com to commit any acts of violence, despite what some parents and grandparents think. Metal and hard rock can actually help with emotional management and instill a larger sense of empowerment than most music genres. Now that is interesting, no? Let's take a look at hip-hop and rap. Hip-hop is definitely known for self-expressive pieces, some of which fueled important societal movements. Recently, rap and hip-hop music has been used therapeutically for treating mental illnesses such as depression and anxiety. Hip-hop therapy has surprised therapists with its success, but how does rap improve our mental state? The National Institute on Deafness and Other Communication Disorders conducted a study that scanned the brains of rappers during their freestyles. The scans showed that the areas of the brain concerning motivation, language, emotion, motor function, and sensory processing were at work. Similar to jazz improvisation, rap is able to hack into the brain's most creative spaces and alter our emotions. Our brains are able to interpret vibrations and frequencies into sounds. Those sounds and frequencies almost always induce an emotion. I believe that record labels are 100% aware of how this works down to a science. Are our souls being tampered with, considering what the popular music of today promotes? Think of it like this. Adult humans are made up of about 60% water. There are studies that have been conducted that show how water crystals change in shape based on the music that is played from various genres. Here's a study by Japanese scientist and healer Masaru Emoto, who discovered how sounds affect water structure. His study showed that overall, the words that people associate with evil, aggression, fear, etc. destroy water. Structures turn them into chaotic, incomplete, and fragmentary crystals. Water charged with positive words, in contrast, has a clear snowflake structure covered by beautiful patterns. Music, as well as words, can also affect water structures. Heavy metal, deathcore, black metal, etc. create water spoils such as trembling and vibration, whereas Mozart's music creates smooth, crystal clear structures. Summing up everything, water is able to heal and at the same time destroy entire cities and civilizations. Events that occur in the world are the reflection of charge that we are laying in the information field 
formed by water, right? The science is there that music does affect you and not just the music, but the words in the music. Some of us say we don't listen to the music for the lyrics. We listen to it for the beats. Well, that's a huge problem because they were not meant to be separated that way, right? It's supposed, music was, is supposed to say something to build you up or do something positive because it's affecting the water in your body. At least that's what I interpreted from the study by Masaru Imoto. So you can look that up for yourself on psu.edu. Science in our world, certainty and controversy. All right, so check this out now. This is where we go a little bit more into the frequency conversation. Have you heard about the frequency that allegedly is the natural frequency of the universe? That is 432 Hertz, the magic number everybody's talking about. It is said to be the natural frequency of the universe to have cosmic healing powers and to affect and to attract the masses to our music. Just by tuning our music less than a semitone below our standard A key equals 440 hertz, we are promised direct access to the universe's hidden treasures. And here's a quote. There are some spiritual concepts associated with A432, but people don't try to take these seriously. High strong energy and high tension is a huge issue with Western culture. People don't really know how to relax or use their bodies, and they don't spend much time thinking or learning about it. That's why yoga, meditation, and other Eastern concepts of flow and energy have become really popular. These things are greatly needed in the West right now. People are searching for ways to relieve their tension and the toxic energy in their lives. The music and audio industry currently use the A equals 440 Hertz universal standard pitch tuning around the world. It wasn't always this way. In fact, 440 Hertz has been the standard for less than 100 years, a drop in the bucket in terms of music history. The tuning of A equals 432 Hertz also used throughout music history, is making quite a comeback these days, especially in the field of sound healing and meditation. Researchers, scientists, and musicians are leading a growing movement to prove this tuning is best for heart-centered therapeutic sound work. In the early 20th century, there was a need to make a universal pitch standard used by all for sake of instrument makers, composers, and orchestra everywhere. Even though 432 Hz was fully supported by the French and Italian composers throughout most of the classical music periods, 440 Hz eventually became the universal pitch standard. German physicist Johann Heinrich Schiebler, Schiebler invented a device called tonometer and did the first experiments with 400 with 440 Hz tuning in the mid-1800s. The tonometer consisted of 54 tuning forks with a range of 220 Hz to 440 Hz, spaced at 4 Hz intervals. His work became widely recognized and a conversation began about standardized tuning. After much debate, the US adopted 440 Hz as the standard in 1936. Europe soon followed with its adaptation many years after it was first proposed on both continents. Even today, musicians believe that music played in 432Hz tuning has a better audience response, has a calming effect, and sounds more integrated overall. It is still not entirely clear why 440Hz was chosen. It seems the scientific experiments by Schiebler, Scheibler had a lot of influence on this choice as opposed to what tuning may have been more in line with the harmonic ratios and relationships found in nature. Interesting, right? So that's from Music Theory Exploring the 432Hz Tuning Debate on ask.audio right so that's i know it's a lot to take it's a lot of music you know nerd talk now here's another one have you heard of the nine solfeggio frequencies my friend artist leroy escobar mentioned this next term in conversation when we were chatting i respect this man and that's why i felt compelled to look into what he mentioned here's what i found 
The solfeggio frequencies are used to open the chakras and bring about various mental and physical health benefits depending on the frequency used. The primary nine solfeggio frequencies range from 174 hertz to 963 hertz. So in the blog, I share the actual, you know, hertz and what it actually does, right? According to the chakra healing information. 174 hertz is good for relieving pain and stress. 285 hertz, healing tissue and organs. 417 hertz, undoing situations and facilitating change. 528 hertz, transformation and miracles. 639 hertz, connecting relationships. 852 hertz, returning to spiritual order. 963 hertz, divine consciousness or enlightenment. Further investigation into solfeggio frequencies took place in 1988 when a biochemist named Dr. Glenn Rines began, began looking into the effect of sound waves on the human body. Rines' experiment exposed DNA to four different styles of music, Sanskrit mantras, Gregorian chants, classical, and rock. He then measured the rate of UV light absorption, a critical function of healthy DNA. By doing this, Ryan could assess the effects of each type of music on the DNA. The results were shocking. Gregorian charts and Sanskrit mantras increased UV light absorption between 5-9%, to promoting DNA repair. Classical music increased UV absorption by small amounts, and rock music decreased UV light absorption, damaging the DNA. Ryan's research proved the theory that sound frequencies do produce serious effects, for better or for worse, on our health and well-being. So, federal frequencies are specific tones used to elicit a certain physical or mental response. 1. These frequencies can aid healing and each one relates to one of the chakras in the body. 2. Listening to solfeggio frequencies will help enhance any chakra meditation course helping to rebalance each of the seven main chakras around the body. 3. The benefits of the solfeggio frequencies range from relieving pain to repairing DNA and rebuilding relationships. 4. There are nine main solfeggio frequencies ranging from 174 hertz to 963 hertz. 5. The benefits of listening to solfeggio frequencies include physical and mental healing, improved sleep, reduced anxiety, and lower cholesterol allegedly right so i got that from the nine sofedial frequencies and their benefits by mind easy right music triggers the chemical dopamine to release dopamine is a feel-good neurotransmitter that is associated with pleasure and serves as part of our brain's reward system mood motivation attention movement learning and emotional response are all connected to the release of dopamine making it extremely important with all this talk about frequencies and how it affects our brains what are 808 drums doing to us hip-hop has gone way low when it comes to the vibes it creates according to an article by forbes a recent research study found that low frequency bass makes people more likely to dance at a live music performance even if they can't actually hear the extremely low sounds a few dozen attendees at a live music show in canada got a unique opportunity to dance for science they were fitted with a headband that monitored their movement during the show while unbeknownst to them a very low frequency bass sound was switched on and off every few minutes the sound was so low between 8 and 37 hertz that it was inaudible to the human ear but even though the participants didn't know about the sound and couldn't hear it their headbands recorded more movements when the bass was on that could suggest that low frequency sounds encourage people to dance but the researchers from McMaster University who ran this study don't know, don't yet know how this works. They speculate that the low frequencies are being picked up by other parts of the nervous system, even though they're not actively recognized as sounds. They even did an additional test to confirm that the test subjects really didn't notice when the low frequency sounds were on or off. Whatever was happening was not using the usual brain pathways through which people process sound. Interesting, right? Even bass sounds that you can't hear your body, your brain catches it. Your brain will react to it. Okay, so let's wrap it up. We've looked at how record companies came to be, 
how greed has contributed to the industry's main driving force, and how science has significantly influenced the kind of music we listen to and the effects that music has on our bodies. When we evaluate what the main message of popular music is in the West, we cannot argue that it does not promote ideas that will progress our moral development. If we don't use religion as a moral compass, can we honestly say that popular music promotes good things? When we hear songs about heartache, we aren't thinking about anything positive. Songs that encourage murdering your ops do not help civilization either. In an interview with The Breakfast Club, record executive Lear Cohen answered, I have people to feed. I've got a business to run. When asked why he contracts musicians that support drug use. Clear and concise. Record labels don't care how the music affects listeners. Now consider what the reggaeton culture of today is advocating. Reggaeton has always been associated with violence and sexual immorality. Are we shocked by reggaeton's success on a worldwide scale? In spite of this, it is praised as Latin excellence. Particularly when lean and prescription drug use became cool to do, hip-hop has taken a dark turn. Reggaeton and Latin hip-hop are also very popular genres that promote drug use. Can we nevertheless reject reality? The music sounds great. They have a hook. Understanding precisely the types of tunes you will enjoy has cost the music industry a lot of money. The formula for what success looks like in the come up of a new musician or music producer has always been heavily funded by people who are not in the spotlight. Always pay attention to what you're eating. It's not always organic. And when I say eating, I mean what you're eating as in the music you're consuming. Right? So I know this was a lot, but that's why. Don't hesitate to head over to wokeuparebel.com. Click on the Woke Up A Rebel newsletter option in the menu and just look for the article that says music, your mind, body, water, and healing. Cool. So thank you so much for joining me. Hopefully you took something away from this. Hopefully you even go back to it. You know, you heard something that you want to look into yourself. If uh, you head over to the blog post on the website, you will be able to find all of the links uh, for the research that I made in order to put together this article or blog post. Cool. So thank you very much. I need to go get myself a drink. I need to go eat something because this was a lot, but I enjoyed the research. I enjoyed learning about this and it's up to you now to do with this information what you wish. Now that you know that scientifically proven music does affect your mood, music does affect how you act, it does affect you in more ways than you could imagine. Okay, so keep that in mind and yeah, stay blessed and join me once again next week for another episode of Revelations Podcast. I was your host, Mario of Woke Up A Rebel, and this was episode number 21. Music, your mind, body, water, and healing energy. Follow us. On Instagram at Woke Up a Rebel, same as Twitter and TikTok. And subscribe, please, on YouTube at Woke Up a Rebel TV. Peace.